I am Stuti and you're listening to the Because She Can podcast. Let's connect, listen and inspire each other through conversations simply because she can. Today we have a very special guest joining us. I want to introduce Juhi Garg Goda. Juhi is a journalism graduate holds a masters in corporate law from National Law School India and a classical jazz piano degree from Royal School of Music. She is the co-founder of ED Times that was rated as the top 10 youth blogs globally. ED Times was recently funded by Google News. Juhi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you Stuti for having me. It's such an honor. Likewise. Juhi we are so excited um having spoken to you off the camera i know you've had the most unique life journey so far and it is so exciting and before we delve into the conversation i want to truly truly tell you that you epitomize the robert frost poem the road not taken oh god that's the, that's literally the first thought i had after talking to you the first time and for those who are unfamiliar i just want to quote the last two lines of one of my favorite poems two roads diverged in a in a wood and i i took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference my god right. so what pressure <laughs> i don't know what really deserves it the pressure is on me <laughs> i'm interviewing the journalist <laughs> you're a great podcaster already <laughs> so much fun thank you that's very kind of you from being a journalism graduate to then studying law alongside pursuing a western classical jazz piano degree What made you pursue so many different paths? Firstly, I think it was not a conscious decision. So journalism was a gift of my parents. They chose that degree for me because they thought that it's just so empowering to be a journalist, to be able to write your thoughts and not just that to be able to present something that you know to the world in a way that can influence their lives. So journalism was a degree that they chose for us because we were so young. Then uh, piano happened because our parents wanted us to have a musical side to us and you know music is so enriching. So right towards I think from around 9th standard or something we were put into piano classes and we had to also do it in a competitive way so we were giving the grade exams and everything. So the degree happened and they wanted to make sure that if you're doing something you do it well and you do it professionally and you do it to a mark where it gets so deeply imbibed in you. So it was not just random learning of music but they really wanted it to be professional so that's where the jazz degree comes from but how has being so multifaceted helped you hone a unique skill set and how do you think that has shaped you to be the woman that you are today i think the simple answer to that would be that because uh I don't know if it's fair to say that you know jack of all master of none in a way I do feel that for myself I don't think if you put me in like a jazz concert I would top or I would be really good there or if you make me have a legal conversation I would shine out but I know a little bit of all these fields or decent enough of all these fields I think where it all really came together and helped me was in my first entrepreneurial venture and then second okay. and so many skills because i think it takes the world of skills to become an entrepreneur 
I feel that's where all my skills got used that is in the entrepreneurial ventures. I totally resonate with you. Uh, being an entrepreneur myself and starting a business during COVID, I literally had to do everything from taking the mm. orders to packing them to very true. Uh, to doing the social media, everything. And I guess, and that's a part of the journey, and that's the beauty because till you don't know what you're doing, how would you hire the best talent? How would you exactly? And sometimes you know you think that okay, this is a talent I can get from the market. But what you just said, if you don't know what to get from the market. You're going to be lost in the hiring process too. Yeah. You don't know what care is to expect from that person. Exactly. So I feel that you know me being in so many diverse fields and having decent experience and all of them finally culminated when I went out to when when I went out on my own. I want to touch upon the many interesting pivots you've had even in your career besides your educational background. Which again is a very bold move, considering you know we live in this society that tells encourage us aki job hai, usi mein raho, job security, promotion. But you were like, hey, like I have three degrees, and the world is my playground, and I. So you've worked in a lot of corporates, and you've had a couple of career pivots. So can you tell us a bit about that? What was your biggest learning? So I think uh, when it came to pivoting, when it really struck me that am I doing the right thing or wrong, or is my is my CV confused, or does it look that I have a world of experience? That that question really came to me when I left my first entrepreneurial venture. So uh, after Edge, which was law firm consulting, I got. Uh, while I was the India partner, I got an amazing offer from Amartya Mangaldas to, mm. you know, be a part of Mr. Shaw's, you know, top nine people and uh, help him in his branding and communication. And I had to very politely turn that down because I knew deep down within I was an entrepreneur and I wanted to do something of my own for myself. So this is the sabbatical. Uh, this is the sabbatical phase. Yeah. Uh, after all my corporate experience and after working in a law firm, uh, heading the strategic communications again, getting these wonderful offers from other other big corporate law firms, um, I started my first entrepreneurial venture, which was consulting corporate law firms. So we were a management consulting firm to corporate law firms in India, and okay. I got one of the top three firms to India globally, uh, and I was an India partner. So we did Ooh. that for around three years, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. At 26, 27, I thought, you know, I'm making a decent amount of money. You for made like, it. I made it, you know, financially doing so well, sitting in the right circles, um, you know, managing partners of the biggest corporate law firms of the country are your friends, you're, you're on beck and call, and you're traveling the world for work, and it was just crazy. And I think it got to my head or whatever happened. Uh, for a reason, I had to, you know, exit out of my that venture. And then it was like, you know, you're at a height of Mount Everest for yourself and suddenly you're thrown to the ground. And it was a forced highest high to the lowest. Highest high to nothing. Like it was ground zero. And from there, I tried everything in the book. So I had learned yoga. So I tried to do something in yoga. I had learned piano. I tried to do something there. I had such little motivation that I could mm. not start my own venture. You know, to be an entrepreneur, it takes like 
the motivation of a village. You exactly. need to be so motivated. You can't start a venture if you're crazy on motivation. Especially after, after being hit. After being hit. After being hit. Uh, then I tried BBC because that was one place that I really wanted to work. I have finally got a call from there. Like I wanted it from my journalism days. Okay. And I hadn't got BBC. And then you got it. And I got it in my low later. phase. And I got a call. I did an interview, everything. And they asked me, oh, what were you getting before this? And it was crazy amount of money in law firm consulting, okay? And I told them, listen, that can't be your benchmark. I know this is a job and I know that was consulting. And consulting pays you crazy and that was also in the legal yeah. field. So please don't go for that. Why don't you go for my salary that I had when I was doing a job? So you literally, as an employee... I told them, I'm ready to take whatever <laughs> the market pays for this job. I want to work with you guys. You know, I, I, I really want to work with BBC since my journalism days. And they said, yeah. that, listen, we'd love to hire you, but we know you'll never be satisfied if you earn that kind of money. Our salary will never make you stay. I, after some time, you're going to get discontented and you'll leave us. But that is when... ED happen yeah. and like, like you because you're mentioning the universe so much and I'm guessing you're a spiritual person and like they say that sometimes when we control control and push things never work they never work and I guess uh, it was like the wheels were jammed you know when you accept and let go of control that's when the higher power universe god whatever you call it comes in so you see, right, you know why I today accept that I think it was arrogance that was being taught to me because in Gita they say that your worst enemy is your ahankar, the ego and everything is there to teach you something. Yeah. So if something bad happened to you in your life, unless you learn what it came to teach you, it's not going to go. E.B. Times, which was actually started by your kid brother, <laughs> as you called him, yeah. it was actually a college blog. Very true. But you saw uh, potential in it and today it's, um, of course, one of the best youth blogs globally. So, but what was it, especially when you're at this dead end, you're at the lowest point in your life, like, and what was that entrepreneurial instinct that kicked in and you're like, you know what, this is something I want to do and this has a potential way beyond what it is right now again you know i don't want to give myself credit for that i think sometimes life has certain things planned for you you might think you're really Absolutely. smart and you know the path you want to take but trust me there is that the extra power the over there not yeah you literally feel like a puppet that you know you didn't decide this for yourself and how did this happen so my brother had to go for further education he started this college blog which was doing so well in campuses and he was like, listen, I can't shut it down. You're not doing anything. You're from media world. Why don't you handle it till the time I just finished my education? You know, because I need to focus there. And I said, okay, yeah, I'm actually not doing something. Let me, let me take care of it till the time you're away. Uh, and the first thing I did was that, okay, this is just a blog. Like, where's the money? Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you've been financially independent and you've, yeah. you've done well in your careers before, you're like, I need to make some money out like of it. Like, it can't just be a hobby. It just can't be a I was not satisfied. I mean, I'm yeah. sure a hobby is also a great thing to do for girls, for boys, for anyone. Uh, that's also a great career. But for me, I think... Making it a commercial success was very important. So the first thing I did, I walked into ED and I was like, okay, where is the business model? Where is the HR model? I need to make it a legit startup. We need to incorporate this. You know, we need to make it a proper company. And that happened, I think, the first two years. We were just figuring ourselves out. Yeah. 
and from the third year the way it took off even as a commercial venture i didn't have to look back till date i'm just doing the same thing and a lot of people ask me like do you even make money in the blog so i'm going to tell them that yeah i mean for Google me to be starting us we are definitely <laughs> making money yeah and for me to be doing this for like so many years now please yeah. trust me it must be making some money no but i want to tell you this is uh, before saying this you said i don't want to take the full credit but having heard you you do because you did see potential in what was just a blog i think for that what happened was that when i took over ed we both very strong people very very strongly opinionated <laughs> he's a he's a proper lawyer like i'm not a proper lawyer i'm half a lawyer he's done his llb and you know he's uh, uh, he's worked with corporate law firms he's a legit lawyer doing mnas and all uh for him when he saw me thrive so much in ed and take ed to whatever level that he was happy and satisfied that okay you know it's in wonderful hands and i can leave it to her he also knew that for him his journey is very different you know as a boy his hunger or his ambition is 100x me so and I i'm do, very conservative i'm not <laughs> i'm not agreeing to that with <laughs> everything you he might have ambition you know but we i think we're very different people he's a big risk taker and i'm very conservative maybe that's a better yeah. way of putting so it so <laughs> i'm a business model person he's a startup model person okay 100x yeah. growth 200x growth get funding grow grow yeah. grow equity bond let's yeah. do that and i'm like no listen i'll do it like a shop i'll yeah. invest some money and i want to i want to like make some profit i want to keep some profit plow it back i want to save some money i want to keep myself sustainable i want to keep myself profitable small scale but profitable he's like no let's go down the startup route so i think that's also but, where yeah but i just see like ambition also and what success means to each person is so ambiguous yes yes yes, yes. So we clearly knew that you know even though we were each other's biggest cheerleaders working in the same space is kind of dangerous. It is. <laughs> Both very vocal. No god and and, and we, I was living like you know with him for the longest time. I got, yeah. I got married very recently. So I'm like listen I'm going to be at work with him. I'm going to be at home with him. It's going to become like a you know fist fight at the end of the day. I don't want to do that. So yeah so he took his own journey and uh, I'm very happy with how he is going. You know, ED uh, Times was recently funded by Google News, and of course, you've been rated as one of the top ten youth blogs worldwide. So, how did that come to be? I think, as an entrepreneur, you face a dip on a daily basis. So, one day is going to be high, the next day is going to be low. Yeah. You know, you don't know where the money is going to come from. Uh, you don't know if your team is going to stick with you. you know i was totally blind on tech i had to learn tech the myself the unpredictability that yes. comes with with being with a startup i mean it could shut down tomorrow and you live with that yeah. okay and uh, i think the only again very very blessed but uh it's kind of unfair also but i feel we are very blessed we are not dependent on our startup hmm. i think that also gives us a certain power to be able to carry it forward even after lo- your low days but somebody who's dependent on their startup you know yes that can make them take decisions 
unfortunately that is yes that is true. very true and let's not shy away from yeah. the fact that we have that backup and that is why we are sitting here and enjoying all the laurels but had we been dependent on the startup had we quit a job and we had a family to take care and the startup was everything i don't think we would have been that carefree that okay oh this month didn't do well i can power through not a big deal no month on month i have people to feed right yeah. so i feel that comfort that comes from the backup is massive it does not scare you it does not make you take uh, rash decisions and you're able to sustain your startup over that gestation period which is the most scary thank you for being so candid and vulnerable with us that's it's it takes courage to admit your failures um but you were invited to the world economic forums global future council of media entertainment and culture was it for two years in yes. a row yes so i mean what an honor tell us how did that come to be and what was your experience when you were actually there i think it was the most humbling experience because i felt like i was the i was not the smartest person in the room and i generally now don't feel that like when i i don't know is it my work or is it just generally i feel that okay i know i'm decently intelligent but when you sit with the guys on gsc and wef oh my god like the gentry you're sitting with vice president of lego you're sitting with some politician when they open their mouth they are rock solid like the kind of substance they bring to the table you're sitting with someone who's on the olympic committee you know and you twitter head and what not like the gentry was so humbling firstly i just could not believe that you know i'm on the gsc but and you know you said you're sitting with with so you were not <laughs> you were amongst them <laughs> i was amongst them i don't know was it a fluke or what it was i was there and every gsc meeting was so much learning like you could just sit there and learn from the world how they operate I can imagine and it was beautiful like no classroom would ever teach that it was during covid years so it was all online otherwise it would have been traveled to singapore that's where okay. generally the gscs happen yeah. but we learned how to collaborate so we brought out a white paper on digital safety mm-hmm. like a lot about this ai and misinformation and disinformation and you know the fakes the ai fakes that are coming up now we did a whole white paper on how to actually create a framework where people can be protected against misinformation and against fake news Oh, uh, wow. because in the digital space, it's very hard to think. For example, someone sitting in America creates a deep fake of you. What are you going to do about it? Who are you, are you going to go to Delhi Cyber Police? Yeah. No, right? So, is there an authority in the whole world which controls that? And how are you going to find that person? You know what is going to apply to him? So, it was like you know we were starting from scratch. I think I was just a student. I was just a student, and in a literally a classroom full of global thought leaders. Thought leaders. It was a think tank. I think I was. They were. They were way, way, way smarter than me, and they were still so accepting and so inclusive of everyone on the table. You know, they never had that chip on their shoulder that I don't think you know your stuff. 
So how has digital media changed post-COVID in your experience? Post-COVID, I think digital media, the best thing it's done is given livelihood to so many people. And that's beautiful. Like we used to diss influencers. Today mm-hmm. being an influencer is a legit job. Of it's course. a legit career. And it's come in the main funnel of marketing. Earlier, it was like, oh, is influencer marketing really important? Should we do it or not do it? Today, no brand, no matter how small a startup or a HUL, you know, they can't do without influencers. And that's the beauty of digital media. I mean, your career journey has been so interesting. But as a woman, I feel your personal life journey has been even more path-breaking. You recently got married at 36, 37, 30, 37 <laughs> yeah. uh, which according to, you know, all the, Indian households, all Indian households, <laughs> aunties, <Yes>. Seema auntie, <laughs> too late, yeah, for me now. it's like, you should look at divorces. Up to four on ten <laughs> You have to adjust. You have to adjust. Yeah. So that was literally your life story. But for women, even today, we are told compromise, settle karlo, you won't get everything. Yeah. So and like, you know, how I'm, I'm just joking about it. But honestly, like imagine one of the most popular uh, shows on Netflix, Indian If you get six to seven, go for it. <laughs> six to seven, mil to matlab karlo. Karlo. Yeah. But I want you to say this on record for all the single girls listening. You say you did get it all. Touch and word, you yes. waited. <laughs> Touch word. Touch word, yeah. You waited and you got it all. So yeah, so that is what I was coming to that I think even with whatever little pressure that came my way and uh, again in best intentions only, still when they said that, you know, I don't know what you want, to don't know what you want, you want to or something, <laughs> which is the most common thing which everybody tells you. Uh, yeah. Paper, I, pe hai. Uh, I think I... I I did push. I did stand my ground. I did push back. I did take a lot of that negativity and I said, no, this guy does not settle with me. I do not understand him. We, our natures don't match. He must be a top shot politician, but he's telling me, oh my God, your flicks look so bad. Why didn't you remove them? Or why are you being like this? This has happened with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A top notch politician after one meeting told me that, you know, you need to remove those flicks. Because it won't go with his public I, I have no idea. I was on, we were <laughs> on a panel discussion on Republic TV and he was watching me. And he picked up the phone after the panel discussion. And he told me, oh, Juhi, you know, instead of congratulating me for being on TV, he's telling me you sound like an activist. You should, you should be a little more gentle. So he had notes for you, basically. And the best thing is I've only met him once. <laughs> and I've not even said yes. And I'm not even showing that I'm interested in you. <laughs> but he had these opinions. He had these lovely things that I should change. Yeah. Thinking that maybe, you know. She'll mold to being the woman I want Which is fine. Be. If you have constructive feedback for me, I understand. But it's a two-way But you're a, today we're not even friends. Like, what are we? Like, we've just met once in arranged marriage. I love the audacity that he had 
to guide me and to tell me what to do and what not to do without knowing me. After meeting you once. Well, after meeting me once. <laughs> so I've got a lot of that, and uh, it was just that you know sometimes. Even like my mom was like, no, but lovely guy, this that, like look at what he's doing and all that. And I was like, I whatever, I had to cry or I had to shout or I had to fight, but I resisted that. I stuck my ground, and I and thank God I didn't settle with him because I don't know what would have happened later. Yeah. But today I feel that just because I was maybe you need to have that strength to be able to tolerate all that judgment coming your way. That पता नहीं क्या चाहिए हमें और people telling you you should go for a divorce now. But you had a list of non-negotiables. Yes. And you actually got. All of them. I would say I have got like nine on ten of my non-negotiables yeah. ticked off. That's for you, Kimanti. And for <laughs> some of the things that you know, uh, I might feel that uh, you know I probably have to work on. Those are things which are not really important in the longer, mm-hmm. in the bigger scheme of things. Which is so inspiring because it's so inspiring for me as a woman to hear that because we get. So um, you know, it happens to the best of us. We get sucked in by the external noise, pressure, yeah, and the pressure and the judgments and opinions of others because we're conditioned be the good girl. Yeah, <laughs> but you stuck your ground, and um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will um, really be inspired to hear that. And Juhi, just one um, last question I want to ask you about. Your marriages, you know how again we have this societal conditioning. जल्दी शादी कर लो, because it'll be easier for you to settle. But the way I see it, um, you're a woman who started her own path, and um, it was a decision you made to get married. So was that true? I live with my in-laws, and I chose to live with my in-laws, which I hear today. My yeah. brother is marriageable, and he's looking for girls, and he's under thirty. That girls today are openly saying we don't want to live with that in-law, with our in-laws. So that's a decision that I took. So if it was all about, uh, you know, us not being able to so-called adjust or mold ourselves, or all of us stay happy in our house, I wouldn't have taken that decision, right? But uh, maybe me take, finally taking the plunge at thirty-seven, despite getting. Being so close to marriage, even before that, four five times, I think I've enjoyed best of both the worlds. I've mm. enjoyed being with my parents. I've enjoyed taking care of them. They taking care of me. I've enjoyed my career journey without any strings attached. You know, your short skirts <laughs> and you're going out at night and yeah. you're being with the boys. Like we've done all that fun stuff yeah. where you don't have the judgment and your parents are like, okay, fine, you know. Um, and now I'm on the other side. And I'm so much happier, you know, enjoying the marital bliss. So I feel getting married, probably 35 plus, you really also get to spend so much time with your parents, which makes your foundation so strong. Which is a treasure. We which is a treasure. Yeah, because later, really, it's so true. Like today, I'm married. I'm 18 minutes away from my parents, hmm. and I don't see them every day. I don't see them like even twice a week. I would see them once a week. But yeah. you know the kind of one-on-one time that we spent earlier. So the late part for me it worked in my favor. I was able to build a career. I was able to spend time with my parents, which I love. I was able to have a carefree life for the longest time. And now, when I finally got tied down in a good way, I'm happy to do play that role. 
and I feel I'm just a little more mature. Uh, and my partner is also more mature. You both are more self-aware. Self-aware, not have trivial, you know, petty issues, which probably we might have had when okay, we were under thirty. Yeah. So, which is actually the different perspective, and in your case, actually the right perspective. You know, so the adjustment the question does not come because. You're probably a little more smarter at this age. You've become mature by yeah. this age, so you know that what people term as adjustment is just you living with another parent. Weren't you also, in a way, adjusting with your own mom? Exactly. You know, so here yeah. you're adjusting with your mother-in-law, which is the same thing. And maybe that wiseness comes with age. Maybe. <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> and uh, on that note, I would like to invite Neha. To join our conversation. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so Hello. nice. So nice. As always. Hi. So because we have because she can. One thing that you still think that you want to do and you really believe you can, but haven't done yet. I want to write a book. And I'm just scared of the you have the so many tired of work. Look at the anecdotes <laughs> you have. Yeah. Okay, so one superpower that you think in you, which normally you don't say, but you know that you have within you. I think I'm a multitasker. Okay. Well, I think you mentioned long back that. Uh, Master of None, Jack. Jack of all, yeah. Maybe that just taught you how to juggle in different fields. Again, as an entrepreneur, it's so important that you know the entire universe of things around you. Mm-hmm. So tech would really scare me, and I had to learn tech because my business is tech based. So that t- taught me that how not just your field that you're passionate about, you're supposed to be good at. You're supposed to be good at a lot of other things, and that taught me multitasking. And we've had a lot of serious talks. I'm going to ask some very <laughs> silly questions. Sure, bring that on. <laughs> Let the fun yeah. begin. We've known a lot about you already. Now something deep inside. Okay. Uh, sushi or chola batura? Sushi any day. Any day. <laughs> I love it. It's all. It's all. It's all. It's all. It's all. Even Rahul Gandhi came a few days back. Yes, I know. Of course, I know the jams. The jams he created. Okay, Kerala or France? Can I say both? Can I say both? You travel in India as well. Yeah, yeah. Domestic is beautiful, yeah. And France is like, I mean, you can't compare it, but. Kerala is so different, and France is so different. I'd love yes. to do both of them again. Amazing. <laughs> okay, trousers or pajamas? Pajamas. Any oh God, any I'm such a jalat home. <laughs> I'm such a jalat home. Skydive or snorkeling? Snorkeling, because I just did that in Maldives. Okay, fiction or non-fiction? Non-fiction, anytime. You're about to write a book too. Yeah, even <laughs> at, on Netflix, <laughs> even on OTT, even the books I read. I read fewer books. I see more content, but it's always about real life. I'm only attracted to. So real now life. that leads me to another question. Any role models that you have? Ah, uh, it would be just a lot of like successful people all around me. So I try and get. Something out of each person's story, right. you know, like the latest person that I followed on Insta was Anil Agarwal of Vedanta, mm-hmm. because oh, yes. uh, he speaks so candidly, Very and candid. you know, like if you, it's it's like a money telling you his gyans, like mm-hmm. you know, he's sitting yeah. in a in a drawing room and telling you gyan, yes. who would not want it. So yeah, listening to him, but it's not really one particular person, and I generally don't go to like motivational gurus, because uh, I like people who have actually achieved. 
something. Yeah, something of their own in in a tangible manner, and we're not just giving yarn. There's so much free yarn everywhere. Do this, do that. Yeah. And makeup or non makeup. At home, no makeup, and I have to go out. I want to look pretty. What do you like? I would like a little bit of makeup. Very slight, but like. Slight makeup. I'm always a slight makeup person. Again, all candid <laughs> so thank you, Juhi. Thank you for coming on the Because She Can podcast. I have definitely learned a lot. Really left me inspired uh, by having that courage to charter your own path and make your own decisions. So before you leave us. What were your learnings or key takeaways from this conversation? That I think the first thing would be that no matter how small we think our story is, it might have an impact on just maybe one person, but that doesn't yes. matter. What a nice thought. And even if it's one person that you are making a difference to, your story is never small. Yes, so true. And it's a ripple effect. Yes, it's a ripple effect. You're so right. And before we sign off. What does because she can mean to you? I think because she can means that because we can have the strength, we should have the strength to stand our ground. Oh, lovely! <laughs> Thank you, Thank you, so you much for being with us. And like one of our friends also said, like no hamper we're getting after all this. <laughs> Trust me, it's more than a hamper. I had a lot of fun with both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you.